And welcome back to another episode of the Total Sports Live podcast here on Anchor. I'm your co-host, Jovan Alford, and shortly I'll be joined by my other great co-host on today's pod, Harrison Brown, Matthew Cass, and Nick Earnshaw, all from Total Sports Live. But before we get underway and discuss everything that happened in the 2020 NFL Draft, make sure you check out this podcast on Anchor.fm. Or if you have, or if you have a smartphone, which I'm pretty sure you do, you, I'm pretty sure you do in 2020. But if if you if you don't, you go on Spotify, go on Spotify, search TSL podcast, hit that follow one, hit that follow button on there. We really appreciate everyone that checks us out and subscribes on there. And we're also on Apple Podcasts as well. Just go there, search TSL podcast, Total Sports Live, hit that download, hit the subscribe button, leave us a review. We really appreciate everyone that's been checking out our podcast. Throughout this entire year and last year and year before year before year before a whole bunch of podcasts. If you love podcasts, there's a whole library for you guys to digest and uh, take a look. And also, don't forget to check us out, totalsportslive.com, Road to Sunday on the Sports Daily Network and at uh, Road to Sunday on Twitter and at Total Sports Live. So with that all out of the way, the NFL, the 2020 NFL draft is officially in the books as 250. 55 college football players saw their dreams become reality last weekend. Um, and like I said, in today's episode, we're going to be talking about everything that happened in the draft from the Eagles taking Jalen Hurts in the second round. In the, yeah, in the second round, how the New York teams fared, the Jets and the Giants, who pretty much a lot of people said and a lot of people saw on draft weekend, they had a pretty good draft ad- addressing the various needs that they had. Our biggest surprises and so much more. But before I can do all that, like I said, joining me on the pod is none other than Harrison Brown, Matthew, Matthew Cass, and Nick Earnshaw. Fellas, how are you doing? It's been a long time since we uh, last did a podcast. I'm trying to think when was the last time we did one. It would have to be XFL, I think. I think it was XFL, right? Or it had to be. Maybe. Yeah. Somewhere around there. Yeah, that sounds about the time frame. <laughs> there's a lot that ha- there's a lot that have happened uh in that in in between that time frame you know with the whole coronavirus COVID 19 pa- pandemic we hope all you we hope everybody out there is take is taking it easy staying safe out there also shout out to our shout out to the uh work our, our workers on the front line you know if you work in a hospital or you know essential worker in a supermarket or whatever we appreciate everything that you do during this time really appreciate it and um Let's jump into the podcast, fellas. Um, starting off with the local teams. They dominated the headlines uh, this weekend with their selections. You know, we got to talk about the hometown Philadelphia Eagles. Um, they, as I said, surprisingly did not move up for a wide receiver, even though CeeDee Lamb was there for the taking for them. But they decided to go the completely opposite route and let CeeDee Lamb go to the Cowboys, which just made Eagles fans more upset. And then at 21, they said, hold up. <laughs> We're not going to take Justin Jefferson. We're going to take TCU's Jalen Rager. And then if you thought things couldn't get worse in Eagles, in Eagles social media world, they shockingly took Jalen Hurts, the quarterback from Oklahoma, former Alabama Crimson Tide standout at number 53, which then just sent the world ablaze. But later in the, in the, on, on Friday night, the third round, they took Colorado linebacker Davion Taylor. And then in day three, they loaded up on a multitude of positions that they need. Safety Kayvon uh, Wallace took offensive line Jack Driscoll. Came back, took Sean Bradley of Temple also in day three. Got a couple wide receivers in John Hightower and Quez Watkins. And also got an offensive lineman, uh, Prince Tega. I can't, I don't wanna, I can't pronounce his last <laughs> name, so I'm not going to butcher it. But the Prince. 
is in Philly from Auburn. But that all being said, Nick, what did you think about the Eagles' overall draft? And do you think they address, you know, address their needs for the most part? Um, I, I think the Eagles did have a pretty good overall draft. Uh, you know, they stuck to their plan, which obviously as the day as day one, day two, day three went on, they it was speed. They wanted to get faster, especially mm-hmm. on offense. Um, they drafted a ton of speedy receivers, most notably in the first round with the selection of Jalen Rager. A lot of people shocked by this, especially on Twitter and social media. Uh, Justin Jefferson was there on the board at 21. I was a fan of Justin Jefferson. Um, but I, I still like the pick. I think I after seeing day two and day three of what the Eagles did, I thought it was a really good selection for them to take Jalen Rager. Uh, he's he's very versatile. He's got gets great separation, especially on deep routes, um, and he's got a lot of quickness. And I think the Eagles need that deep threat uh, after last season with all the injuries that occurred, um, Deshaun Jackson going down. Mm-hmm. Uh, they didn't really have that deep threat. Uh, in the latter part of the year. So I think getting a guy like Jalen Rager, who people complain about his combine time was a four, like a four, four, three, I believe around there. Um, wasn't as fast as people hoped, uh, his pro day, he did a lot better. He had a sub four, three, uh, time in the 40, but I don't really want to see, uh, read into that as much because on the field, his game speed, I think is a lot faster than people think. Um, so I, I like the pick in the first round with Jalen Rager. Now, with Jalen Hurts, I, I'll be honest, I was pretty shocked when this happened. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't see it coming whatsoever. Um, I, I see now, like after day three, why they did it. Um, because I, I, they wanna, I, it looks like they want to get creative. They want, I maybe use him in like a Taysom Hill type role in special packages and such. So I, I see why they did it. I just I don't know if that was the right spot to take Jalen Hurts. Um, right. the second round, I thought it was a little high. Um, but overall, I mean, Jalen Hurts is a great player. I thought he was really good in college, Oklahoma and Alabama. Um, overall, I, I just I didn't like the selection at that time in the draft. I think there were other needs the Eagles could have taken, other players mm-hmm. that um, that were on the board still that, that could have been selected. Um, but later in the draft, I think day three was a great day for the Eagles. They got some great value. Uh, Kavon Wallace from Clemson, safety. Uh, I think that was a really, really good pick. I think he could turn into something that the Eagles could use in the secondary. You know, adds that gives them depth at the safety position in in the defensive back room. Uh, I also liked uh, the linebacking core that that they took in this draft. Uh, Sean Bradley, uh, Davion Taylor, uh, just to name a few. Case Tuhill out of Stanford. I think they really got um, a lot of depth in this draft on it for certain positions at wide receiver at the linebacking position. So I think it was a uh, really, uh, I think overall they, they got a lot better and they stuck to what their plan was to get a lot quicker. And they also made the trade for Marquise Goodwin, which I think added as another bit of value to that wide receiver room. Yeah, no doubt. And it's, and it's, and it's, and it's good that you made the point about them, you know, wanting to, you know, have more speed at the skill position. Cause like we said, you know, even before the show, before we started recording, this team lacks speed. When Deshaun Jackson went down last season, there was no type of vertical threat. I mean, it, yeah, exactly. it, it, it was, you know, we're going to try to create, you know, with guys underneath and hope they can, you know, get to blow the top off. You know, we they, you saw them get, you know, get, 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 you know, a little bit, you know, creative with their play designs yeah. with Josh Perkins and, you know, Greg Deontay Burnett. Yeah. yeah, Greg Ward, Deontay Burnett, you know, making the slot and catch across the field against the Giants. 
Robert Davis, you know, making a catch, but then it gets called back for a penalty, you know. That's just how this Eagle season summed up. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting, like you said that, because Howie Roseman, who was on Ian Rappaport's uh, podcast, said, you know, that we want to throw the football down the field. Uh, he mm-hmm. said, we don't want to, you don't want to be station station football. That's not what coach Peterson wants. And obviously that's what they did. And we remember we saw the thing, you know, John Clark tweeted that, you know, he told Carson Wentz that we're going to make this pick on Jalen Hurd, but we're going to do everything in our possible, you know, we're going to do everything possibly to get you the weapons that you need. And I think they, like you said, they obviously did it. And you like, and like you said, in addition to the picks, they highlighted, you know, getting Marquise Goodwin for literally a six round pick swap and they renegotiated the contract. Where it's only basically a one year, one point three five million dollar deal or something along those lines. Yeah, so yeah. Great value, um, um, great value for the Eagles there. But talking about Jalen Hurts, Harrison, you were one of the few that really wasn't tripping about the Hurts selection on Friday. Why everybody was freaking out and panicking on the social <laughs> media streets? You know, everybody's like, "Oh my God, I can't believe they, they, uh, they, 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 they got they got Jalen Hurts, man. What are they doing? I can't believe this. Don't they know Carson's the future? Da 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 da." You wasn't tripping. You was all. You was like Aaron Rodgers, and we're gonna talk about him later in the show. You were just like, "All right, everybody, just relax, relax." They need a backup quarterback, and they got a young one. They don't have to spend the money for a Cam Newton or a Joe Flacco, you know, or even a Jameis Winston who have been New Orleans. You don't have to spend that money there. They got their guy there. Um, how do you envision Hurts' role in this offense? And you know, how do you think this affects the quarterback room? You know, going forward, because obviously they still have Nate Sudfeld on the roster at, at QB three uh, and Kyle Oletta at the practice squad on the practice squad as another QB option. I think it really improves the QB room um, top to bottom. I think Hertz has proven in college that he's a great teammate um, with everything that went down at Bama. Um, it would have been easy for you know him to kind of get upset with how it was handled, but right. he was a good teammate to two of the whole way. Transferred to Oklahoma was a big part of their program, so. I think that that's definitely something that played into the pick. I think they've mentioned that. But uh, in terms of on the field, I think that he's going to bring a little bit of uniqueness to the Eagles offense for the first few years that he's here. I I think he's going to stay at quarterback for his whole career. I don't think it's going to be where he's like a Taysom Hill, you know, all over the field. I think that maybe early they use him in some fun ways. I mean, we've seen that with some different teams. Obviously, the Ravens use Lamar in some unique ways. But I definitely think that Jalen Hurts is an NFL quarterback. He's got an extremely strong arm. And one of the things that I saw this morning um, from Dan Orlovsky on Twitter was that the Eagles could get, you know, interesting with some QB option plays where uh, Wentz and Hertz are in the backfield and it's like an RPO read where Hertz can either run it, you know, Wentz hands it to him, Hertz can either run it or throw it. So I think there's more creativity that's going to come to the Eagles offense from this. And I think that's mm-hmm. only going to be a good thing. Uh, they still address the receiver position. They used their first pick on Rieger. Obviously, linebacker was a big question mark, and it still kind of is. I like the Davion Taylor and Sean Bradley pick, but certainly, I mean, I mean Nick mentioned it. They went high on Hertz uh, just a couple weeks ago, a couple months ago. Hertz was expected to be like a fifth or sixth round pick. So mm-hmm. it is a little surprising. There is a little bit of shell shock to see him go in the second round at 53 when the Eagles don't have a quarterback need, but. Uh, it's a quarterback-driven league. We saw what happened with Nick Foles a few years ago, obviously. Um, you know, Teddy did really well in New Orleans last year, and now they've signed Jameis Winston uh, across the league. I mean, more and more teams are kind of bulking up on quarterback. You want to have a few that can get the job done because uh, we see it with some of these teams. I mean, look at the Jets this year. Sam Darnold goes down for a few weeks, and, and they were just nothing at all. I mean, they mm-hmm. had a... You know, Luke Falk was in there, and they couldn't move the ball. They were getting like 40 yards a game. So it can really, you know 
just completely ruin a team. I mean, Pittsburgh had a really good roster this year, and they couldn't find their way into the playoffs because Mason Rudolph and Delvin Hodges, neither one could get it going. So I don't think it's a bad thing at all that they picked Hurts at 53. I actually really like it. I think that time is going to you know make some Eagles fans kind of regret their initial reaction, but mm-hmm. um, I think it was a good pick. No, you're you're definitely you're you're definitely right about that. And when I think of you know, like you said, them you know drafting Jalen Hurts the first the, the the thing that I thought about after you no know, half some time to really think about it and get over the initial shock of like, oh my god, like I can't believe they did this. Like they really like made this move. And I thought about what the Patriots did. You know, even though Tom Brady was much more decorated in his career than Carson Wentz, and you know much further along in his career at that at that point. The Patriots invested, what, a second and third round pick in consecutive seasons or almost for Jimmy Garoppolo and Jacoby Brissett. And what and did they do? Off. They paid off because they were able to flip those picks for something of value. And Ali Roseman did say that this team wants to be a quarterback factory. So when you have that in mind, maybe, you know, Jalen Hurts is only here for a few seasons. And we are pretty sure he's going to get the majority of reps in preseason. So it's just going to build his value up. And, hey, you never know. Maybe they flip him. For, you know, a player or a pick or something down the line and he goes somewhere already having the, you know, established ground rules of being an NFL level quarterback for another team uh, down uh, down the roll. And I think about the Patriots, it reminds me, I think, of the story I saw this week, this past weekend where Bill Belichick said, you know, drafting a quarterback was in their plans, but it just didn't happen that way. And part of me thinks that the Eagles taking Jalen Hurts kind of messed that plan up. Certainly should have. Just just my suspicion there. And, you know, you fellas mentioned uh, day the day three picks a lot in this, you know, in this early portion of the podcast. And, you know, day three was considered the best day uh, for the Eagles. They addressed, you know, the offense and defense. Um, we know it's hard, though, for, you know, those players to make the 53-man roster. But who do you feel has the best chance to make an immediate impact, you know, this upcoming season? Rather, you know, they start in September or, you know, later in the year in October. I would think I, I I'm gonna go with Jalen Rager. I, I really I think they really want to give this this kid a chance. Uh, he's got great speed. He's that vertical threat the Eagles have been looking for, and he can t- he can be that home run type player that the Eagles need. And if Deshaun Jackson goes down again, you don't know if, what what could happen. I think the depth there is really strong. I think Jalen Rager is going to be a huge huge make a huge impact for this Eagles team going into mm-hmm. next season. Yeah, for me, um, I like the Jack Driscoll pick a lot, actually. Oh, okay. I think that with the how the leaving, um, you know, he was kind of that swing man for them last year. I think with him leaving, with Peters not being back, they needed to sure up their tackle depth a little bit. And, they're, they're, you know, as much as they say they're a quarterback factory, I think they're a little bit of a tackle factory, too. Yeah. Um, with Jordan yeah, Hariada, Hal Vayatai. Uh, there's been a lot of guys that have came through and, and developed into really good tackles, not to mention uh, Lane Johnson, obviously being a first round pick close to seven years ago now. Um, but they've done a really good job with tackles over the course of the past few years. And I like the Driscoll pick. Obviously, uh, they did kind of get the Auburn offensive line, at least at, at the tackle position with uh, with Prince coming in at the end of the draft. But I like the Driscoll pick a lot. Um, and then it'll be interesting to see how Sean Bradley does. I think that, um, you know, being a Temple player, staying in Philly, it's a unique dynamic. He's going to be kind of a fan favorite to start. Uh, a lot of people are going to root for him. And I think that could honestly just play to his favor. Um, I think he's a solid tackler with good explosion. I think he could translate well to the NFL. Um, but time will tell. A lot of times with those later round picks, it's kind of somewhat boomer bust. You can find some good death players. But a lot of times, you know, guys just kind of fizzle out and, and go quickly, as we've seen here in Philly 
in the past few years. But I like how they finished the draft. I think they did a good job addressing some more positions of need. Obviously, going with John Hightower and Quiz Watkins also in, in day three, I, I think it shores up the receiving core. They traded for Godwin as well that day. Um, but the receiving core has depth now. <laughs> Obviously, last year, uh, they did not have any depth. So they wanted to really make sure that they had enough guys. They're like, you know what? Let's draft three receivers. Let's trade for a vet. Let, mm-hmm. Let's uh, let's make sure we're good to go this year. So I think that them having the time to develop behind Alshon and Deshaun for however long that they're um, you know able to stay in Philly and stay healthy, I think that will only benefit their career. Most most definitely, and my pick was going to be Quez Watkins too. I mean, this guy I think ran a four three five in this in the scouting combine, which was only second behind uh, Henry Ruggs. So when you got that type of speed, you got something that leads to be desired. And I think I saw somewhere where Daniel Jeremiah said that Watkins and any other draft class because it was so deep at wide receiver could have been a third or fourth round pick, and that's special if the Eagles can turn any of these guys into immediate playmakers and play and, and, and factors. And we saw what they did last year with a lot of guys, you know, come off the practice squad or, you know, being signed, you know, off the street, you know, those guys came in and dominated and, 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 and played well. And if they can get that out of these guys who they drafted, then they could be in good shape down the road. This is the total sports live podcast here on anchor Spotify and everywhere else uh, here. I'm Joe Von Alfred joined as always, like I said, by Matthew Cass, Harrison Brown and Nick Earnshaw. Let's go up the turnpike to Matt since he has been. We we haven't talked about the Jets and the Giants, so we might as well go up to the turnpike and talk about the Jets and Giants. We have really good sound drafts addressing both uh, addressing positions of need and getting players that could be immediate contributors. I think a lot of people will look at the Jets draft and Joe Douglas and say, "Man, uh, Joe got the draft that how we should have (laughs) had with the players that he picked at at certain positions. That's yeah, wide receiver, safety, and corner." And even that running back getting LaMichael Piron of Florida. Uh, but Matt, you know, what did you, from your vantage point, what did you think about, you know, both teams draft and maybe what was a favorite selection of yours? Yeah, you know, it's interesting that both teams do share the same stadium because they also seem to be sharing a brain on draft day. Um, <laughs> you know, the Giants, of course, at four took Andrew Thomas, an offensive lineman from Georgia, and the Jets at 11 took Mekhi Becton at Louisville, who was also very much on the Giants draft radar. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to start with the Giants just because they are my uh, my rooting interest here. Um, I think that the selection of Thomas was a very good pick. He's not by any stretch of the imagination. I don't think he clarifies yet as a, a Hall of Famer or gold jacket guy. But um, if you believe like Dave Gettleman does, that you have your quarterback of the future in Daniel Jones, you need to keep him upright. You need to keep him from fumbling. You need to keep him from getting, you know, strip stacked. And Thomas will give you reliable, dependable coverage for a long time on that line. I look at him as like a David Deal type player. Again, not spectacular. Maybe makes a Pro Bowl or two. But you're not going to get burnt like uh, Nate Soldier uh, has been burning you the last couple of years on the line if you're the Giants. Moving on to the second round, Xavier McKinney, I think, was a steal at that position. He really should have gone late first round. Mm -hmm. So, you know, for him to still be available at number 36 when the Giants selected again was huge. And, you know, they took him. I think he was the best player available and filled the position of need because the defense has certainly uh, been getting toasted repeatedly. The third round pick I really liked. Again, you know, if you pair up Matt Pert out of UConn, with Thomas from Georgia, that's essentially your two guys on the end of the line. And that is your, you know, that's your offensive line and you just fill in the gaps in between them. Uh, So I think that 
you know, Gettleman addressed that particular position of need in the first three rounds. Uh, and then the four through seven picks, uh, you know, I really thought that they, uh, they kind of fired on a couple guys that they really felt can help them out. Uh, Shane Lemieux, you know, physically imposing, definitely has some stuff he needs to work on, but he's out of Oregon. Uh, I like Cameron Brown, uh, linebacker out of Penn State. Um, you know, there's really not a selection here that I would say is bad. It mm-hmm. just depends how many of these are good, because I really think, you know, like I'd said earlier, Gettleman was picking for positions of need, and I think he did well in that regard. But if the positions of need that you pick turn out to be, you know, unsuccessful, then you go right back to the drawing board. And uh, right. if you heard, you know, John Mara speak, uh, he said pretty much it's playoffs or bust this year for Gettleman. So I would think he was drafting for his job uh, in the 2019-2020 offseason. So moving over to the Jets' locker room, like I said, Mackay Becton, huge physical, I mean, one of, if not the best linemen uh, available in the draft on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, I was not surprised that the Jets took him when he was available. You know, Sam Darnold, of course, had that uh, seeing ghosts game. Mm -hmm. uh, And he had been under a number uh, of pressures and hurry-ups and sacks this year, uh, this past year. So, you know, it's really, like I said, it's not surprising that the Jets decided to get that uh, offensive line help and to keep their, again, they have their quarterback of the future too, no doubt uh, about that in Sam Darnold. So in order to keep him protected, keep him safe, and keep him upright, they went with an absolute monster of a man on the offensive line. Uh, I really like the Denzel Mims selection, the wide receiver out of Baylor in uh, round two. I think that's a very, you know, speedy target, good hands, pretty good route running. Uh, He's definitely going to need to get coached up still a little, but I think that um, the raw physical talent is there for him to become, you know, a very good contributing member of the team and a dependable receiving target, especially since the Jets let Robbie Anderson go to the Panthers and have decided to try and fill the void in his production with Brashad Perriman. So every receiving target that Sam Darnold has out on that field helps. Uh, P. Ryan, I really thought that he was, you know, a good selection where they found him in his position. Um, he is a great running back, you know, physical running back can really get you the yards that you need. Uh, and my personal favorite selection, the last one, the jets made at pick 191, Braden Mann, uh, one of, if not the best statistical college punters of all time from Texas A&M, uh, you know, punting is such a key position in football. Now, uh, a lot of what football has come down to is a field position game most weeks. So if you can keep a team pinned well back within their 20, uh, to start in a number of their drives, and you get great field position starting past the 30, you know, you'll eventually begin to wear a defense down. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter how good a defensive unit is. If they are constantly on the field, if they constantly have to be defending, eventually they're going to crack. I mean, you saw that happen with the Broncos the last few years. They've had a world-beater defense, and they had, you know, old Joe Flacco, you know, a bunch of other terrible quarterbacks. They have not had a good offense. Mm-hmm. So when the offense stalls, it doesn't matter how good the defense is. If you leave them out on the field, they're getting burnt to a crisp. So <laughs> to be able to kind of play that field position game is key for the Jets. I agree. Completely agree. And, you know, staying with the Jets, they also made a interesting selection in the fourth round, taking James Morgan. This was a guy who was getting a lot of day three buzz. Um, you were, and he met with a lot of teams leading up to the draft. Um, what did you think about them, you know, almost doing what the Eagles did in a way? You know, Sam Darnold's pretty still young in his career, too. But like Harrison said, you know, they uh, 
they didn't they 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 got to some trouble without no Darnold last season, and it only got worse with Trevor Simeon and then Luke Falk, you know, having to uh having to hold down the uh the signal caller position for uh the New York Jets. Yeah, that was definitely um once Darnold kind of had to deal with some issues there. You saw, like you said, they really got uh well into the weeds with their quarterback situation. Now, do I think James Morgan is, you know, the starter? Of course not. No, that's Sam Darnold's team until the day he decides to hang up his cleats, whether it be from mononucleosis or something else. <laughs> but James Morgan is, as far as I can tell, uh, a dependable, you know, starting quarterback. Statistically, you know, he's going to come in and provide you very serviceable performance. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's not a world beater by any stretch of the imagination, but when you're talking about the backup quarterback, you don't really need a world beater. You just need a guy that can come in and manage the game and i think that's what james morgan will you know for the jets hey we'll see how it uh we'll see how it all breaks down for both new york team like you said gettleman maybe drafting for his job the jets douglas you know taking over as the new guy there trying to you know get that team back to the playoffs and you know in a division the afc east which you know is up for grabs this season so hey We'll see how it all, you know, pans out uh, here in the upcoming, you know, 2020 NFL season. Uh, Like I said, this is the Total Sports Live podcast here on Anchor. We got a few more topics for you all um, on today's show before we wrap up. Um, And let's look at, you know, outside of our local teams. Let's look at the biggest surprises of the draft. This draft class, for all respects, was a deep class, you know, from quarterback, cornerback, uh, defensive line, you know, even running back to a certain point, you know, wide receiver obviously was deep. There's a lot to like about this draft, and there was a lot not like about this draft, depending on who your team was and who your player that was picked there for it that's at that selection. Uh, Nick, leading off with you, what was what was your biggest surprise of the uh, of the NFL draft? I would have to say the selection of Jordan Love by the Green Bay Packers. Uh, it, it really I didn't really see that coming. I didn't really think Green Bay was going to take a quarterback that early or if at all because, you know, you still have Aaron Rodgers, who I think can still give the Packers some really good seasons. I think that, um, you know, he's, he's in his late 30s. I understand why they did it. They did it with Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. So mm-hmm. Aaron Rodgers got Aaron Rodgers pretty much. So, uh, you know, Jordan Love, I, he's a very talented quarterback. I think he could be – Definitely a good starting quarterback in this league. Uh, I just don't know if the Packers right now should have taken Love because right. he, they need a little. They need more weapons. I mean, Devontae Adams is there. After that, the wide receiver position kind of really falls off in Green Bay. I think there could have been you know another receiver that, that they could have taken. Um, something I've noticed over the past eight seasons that uh, the Packers have, uh, in the first round they've taken a defensive player, so they really haven't gotten a splash type player in the first round for Aaron Rodgers, another weapon. Um, they've, they've taken these guys later in like the third, fourth, fifth, sixth rounds. Uh, so I, I thought taking Jordan Love now was a bit interesting. They're probably going to let him develop behind Rodgers and maybe he'll take over the starting quarterback position one day. But I think surrounding Aaron Rodgers right now, I mean, this team went to the, the conference championship last year. I think if you got him another weapon, start surrounding him with more weapons, they, they could get over that hump and maybe reach the Super Bowl. So I, I thought taking him in the first round was a bit shocking. So uh, we'll see. I, I think that they'll probably let him develop behind Rodgers and he'll eventually turn into the Packers quarterback. 
But I think if you got him another weapon, I think it would have been a much better pick at that spot. Yeah, Jordan Love was probably one of the biggest mysteries heading into this yeah. year's draft. A lot of people didn't know where he was actually going to slide. You know, a lot of people yeah, didn't. Exactly. A lot of people thought that, you know, maybe, maybe that, you know, um, maybe they, you know, they thought that maybe he was, uh, you know, going to go either between pick five or 25. You know, yeah, exactly. saw people say that he might, you know, go in the second round where, you know, where it, it probably would have been a more easier selection for the Packers if they did. So, but like you said, they need. Um, they needed some. They, they needed some weapons there. You know, I thought, and if the Eagles didn't take Jalen Rager, I thought Jalen Rager was a perfect spot for you know for yeah, there. You know, it. because the B that compliment to Devontae Adams, because you just, I mean, no, I mean, you can't roll out there was just Devontae Adams and you know three other wide receivers. It just doesn't yeah. work. You know, Marquez Valdez Scantlin took a step back. I thought that was going to be his breakout year in this upcoming. I mean, last season he took a step back. I don't know if Geronimo Allison is there anymore, but you see what he's working with. You know, yeah. he's not working with the – you're not giving the guy weapons, you know. And there's only so much, you know, A.J. Dillon's going to do as a rookie as a running back in the second round. And then to grab a tight end who you envision as a fullback in the third round. That's not that, – that, that that's not sound football. But, hey, maybe Matt LaFleur has a plan for this guy and, you know – and for this team going forward and what he envisions and what he and what he believes in, he maybe he's trying to turn him into what almost like what the Titans did at their running game with AJ Dillon and Derrick Henry. So hey, we'll see what happens there. Uh Harrison, what was one of your biggest surprises uh when it comes to uh the NFL draft? I was surprised by the Jordan Love pick. Also, I think that it would have been easier for them to make that pick had they addressed the receiver position in the second or third round. But um, nonetheless, the thing that was most surprising for me uh, was Tristan Wirfs, the offensive tackle out of Iowa, sliding down to 14 for the Bucs. I think it's a really good pick, and I'll get into that later. But um, with Andrew Thomas going at four, Andrew Thomas is obviously a very talented player, but... um, Honestly, I had seen some some comparisons where Werfs was maybe the higher-rated prospect than Thomas, um, than um, Becton that the Jets drafted at 11. So I was a little surprised to see him fall there. Um, really thought that the Browns could pick Tristan Werfs at 10, but they went um, with the offensive tackle out of Alabama. Um, very talented kid as well. Can play right tackle or left tackle. So um, there was a lot of offensive line talent. I thought personally that Worf was probably the best in the class. So to see him drop to 14 was very surprising for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Worf, you this is the guy that you did a um, you did a draft breakdown on Total Sports Live about about him. And this was a guy like you said who's versatile, athletic. You know, can you know can play multiple positions on the offensive line. To see him kind of fall that far was like a little shocking. And a lot of people started to wonder like, yo, what's going on here? But he lands in a great spot in Tampa Bay, you know, getting yeah, he gets he gets the block for, you know, the for the for the for the future Hall of Famer, well not future Hall of Famer, Hall of Fame quarterback, uh Tom Brady. So he, Tom Brady gets some help on that offensive line. So for Bruce Aarons, it's almost like picking best player available at that spot. But Matt, the team that probably should have took, should have taken uh worse didn't, and they surprisingly took another guy who you were surprised that he fell in. In the, in, in the draft. Yeah, I can't believe that Isaiah Simmons was available at number eight to the Arizona Cardinals. I mean, this guy is, I mean, seriously, you talk about jack-of-all-trades, slot mm-hmm. corner, safety, linebacker. I mean, he has played everywhere, all around the field, in an even number of snaps. 
He has very few weaknesses. He's almost a linchpin player. I would say he's like the future of the defensive position where you have guys that are a little more rangy, you know, less confined to one specific role. Um, I think he's going to have a long, successful career. And to see teams pass on him was interesting, especially because, you know, he seems to me like a guy that come in can come in day one and make a major difference right. on a defensive core. You know, he can be a field general type of player in a couple of years. Um, I mean, I'm going to just quote from Lance Zerline's uh, draft analysis on NFL.com. Ascending hybrid talent with rare length, speed, and versatility to create mismatches for the offense depending upon alignment. Uh, can handle zone or man coverage from a variety of spots on the field. Uh, which can give defensive coordinators a chance to disguise blitz packages and exotic post-snap looks. Um, you know, can be misdirected. Well, he the one weakness is he can be misdirected due to lack of instincts near the line, but his playmaking range outweighs those concerns for now. His unique potential to spy and shrink the field against dual-threat quarterbacks could push him way up the draft board. So that was written, of course, before the draft. But again, I mean, you're talking about a guy who can play a variety of positions, like I said before, uh, is strong in a number of them. And I just, I'm not entirely sure how teams looked at him and were like, yeah, okay. You know, I think maybe it was just a combination of teams drafting for their need rather than the best talent available. Mm -hmm. But I mean, the Cardinals have an absolute dog in, uh, you know, in Isaiah Simmons and just looking down the draft order here too, of course, you know, the Bengals were always going to pick Burrow. The skins were always going to pick Chase Young. Uh, Okuda was an interesting choice. Obviously, they needed a cornerback since Darius Slay went to the Eagles. Uh, Giants, of course, picking Thomas, you know, since they needed line help. The Dolphins, of course, went with Tua. Uh, Herbert, you know, for Los Angeles since they just lost Philip Rivers to Indianapolis. Uh, Derek Brown was the pick right before Isaiah Simmons. And I just don't know. I feel like if you're Carolina, it's a toss-up. And I personally would have gone with Simmons if I was uh, in the Carolina Panthers digital war room on draft night. But, hey, he falls all the way to eighth. Uh, he's picked up by Arizona. So he's going uh, to make his coin out in the desert there. And we'll see what he can do with the Cardinals. But I would have to imagine that he's going to make a couple teams look foolish for passing on him. Hey, for sure. Like a lot of people had, you know, had the Cardinals going for offensive line, you know, in the draft. But hey, like you said, when you get a jack of all trades defender like Isaiah Simmons, it's kind of hard to pass up a guy that you can plug and play. I mean, we look at the Cardinals linebacking core right now. You're 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 rolling with, you know, Jordan Hicks and uh, Hassan Reddick, the former first round pick. Simmons helps that linebacking core tremendously. Maybe now you want to move, you know, maybe you now want to possibly move Hassan Reddick in the trade or keep him because then that just makes your linebacking core that much more athletic. We're talking about cornerback. You know, this team still has Patrick Peterson, still has Byron Murphy. You, you, you at safety, you still got Buda Baker. I mean, you add him in that secondary at, at, at safety, you got something there. So all them type of playmakers on that defense, it's definitely going to help. And I think they did a good job eventually addressing the offensive line. I think they got Josh Jones in the third round, which is another guy who was projected to go between the first and third round out of Houston. So, you know, great. Cliff Kingsbury gets the best player available. It wasn't CeeDee Lamb. as the, It was like the smokiest of smoke screens. They get their defensive player and defensive stalwart and Isaiah, Isaiah Simmons, excuse me. And for me, I would say my biggest surprise in the draft was just enough. It was just a small number of small school players that were that got drafted. Um, 
I saw this in a in a newsletter that I subscribed to on Axios Sports by Kendall Baker, and he um he you know tweeted out said FCS schools have produced an average of 18 picks per draft in the modern era between '93 to the present. However, this year they just they produced just six. Um, he said canceled pro days due to COVID clearly played a role, and that's the truth. And then when you look further down the line, you only had two players from D2 and one player from D3 um, get selected. So we're looking at a total of nine uh, small schoolers only get selected in this year's draft class, and that's very alarming. Um, and we know that the we know that that the the pandemic, which was out of end, which was out of which was out of, out of nobody's control, you know, played a role in these small schoolers, you know, getting an opportunity, you know, to not only you know destruct their stuff at these you know D one FCS schools, you know, to to show their worth uh, to NFL scouts, and you know, I think, and I said this on Twitter too, that I think we're also seeing a trickle down effect, you know, happening with UDF UDFA signers too, because we're not seeing as much, you know, of the small school that get signed, the UDFA uh, deals, and then there's no rookie minicamp. So now there's no more small school players getting tryout opportunities, and that's a big blow. And then we didn't have the HBCU Combine, uh, which was going to probably be a big help to, you know, to the HBCU uh, ballers that we had coming out this year, um, like uh, like a Ryan Stanley out of Florida A&M or like a DeAndre Francois out of Hampton. I know Jalen Morton from Prairie View A&M got a deal uh, with the Packers, so that was good to see Manasseh ba- Manasseh Bailey out of uh, out of Morgan State getting a deal um, with the Eagles. You know, another speedy wide receiver. You know, this goes the theme with the Eagles, but he got an opportunity. But there's just so many small school guys, you know, that won't get a chance to see their NFL dream come to fruition, and it's just you know, it's sad to see. And I don't know if you fellas had anything more you wanted to add on. You know, add on to that point. Yeah, I mean, I'll jump in there. I think that this year with the lack of pro days and the lack of rookie minicamp, like you mentioned, it's going to take a hit. The thing that I do like is that guys are going to be able to participate in their pro days. That's kind of a thing that's already been happening. Right. Um, like If you're an older player who graduated and you kind of haven't landed anywhere, you can go back and do the pro day. So I think a lot of guys are going to get that opportunity. And I think that um, one thing the NFL could kind of do to help out is maybe expand training camp rosters next year a little bit, yes. maybe kind of leave a little bit more room. Maybe you can't dress everyone for the preseason games, but maybe you can have 10 extra guys as preseason practice squad or something like that to kind of get some extra guys' looks. Um, and then, you know, obviously the XFL folding is really a bummer right now because yes, it would be a perfect agreed. time for a lot of these guys to go there. Um, Canada is, is an interesting option if you're kind of looking for a spot. Obviously, you can make a really good career out there, but – with the roster restrictions and with kind of the, I, I know they changed it, but there's still some restrictions on when you can go to the NFL. Like you have to spend some time in Canada first before you can pursue those opportunities. So it's not the best for American players to go up there. Great spot for um, Canadian guys. But, you know, so it is kind of a tough landscape right now. I definitely feel for a lot of these players who are kind of on the fence of uh, between the NFL and, and maybe having to give up football forever. It, it's a really tough time to be going through that. Um, but obviously, I mean, it's a tough time kind of to be going through anything with this pandemic, but um, you know, in our, in our small little football world, it is definitely unfortunate for a lot of these really talented athletes. Like you said, I'm super excited for the HBCU combine next year. I think Agreed. that a lot of these NFL teams are going to realize there's a lot more talent that's there that they kind of have been overlooking because of, of, you know, quality of play competition well the hbcu play is very high as well so i think a lot of those guys are going to get looks next year it's unfortunate that it fell through but it's good that they have that 
um, at least going. The the list of guys they had, it was close to like 50 HBCU players. That's definitely a positive. They would never have been invited to just the NFL Combine. So mm-hmm. to have this outlet for them to get in, it's going to be really good. The D3 thing is obviously a hit. Only one guy selected. D2, only two. Um, I really attribute that back to Pro Days. I think that, you know, if you're a, a high school recruit who's looking for somewhere to play, I, I think it's still good to go to those schools. I think they will come find you. I think this year is hopefully going to be an outlier. and Next year, it'll get back on track. Okay. I would just add to that. I would I would definitely just add something to that. I, I think the pandemic, I, it's really affected a lot. And like going into this season, like you don't know if there's going to be a training camp yet. Still, right? I mean, there. I saw a report today that the NFL is has contingency plans. They maybe start the season a little later because th- we don't know. I think it's affected so many uh, of the guys who are going undervalued. Uh, guys like D two players, D three players. I, I think the pandemic has really shaken a lot of what talent is out there and hasn't been able you haven't been able to get to see some of these guys especially with the draft how the draft went you had the draft you know you had all the gms the coaches at different places so uh i I think it really did affect on certain guys getting into the league at smaller schools for sure hey we'll we'll see what happens like you said hopefully this time next year we'll be talking you talking about 18 you know small school is getting an opportunity for and more, you know, tryout guys and hearing those stories of, you know, the guy from, you know, uh, the guy from Rocky Mountain College, you know, getting that tryout <laughs> opportunity or, you know, something like that. Those type of stories that make you feel like, you know what, it's good to see guys, you know, still fighting, you know, for their dreams and, you know, continuing to try to keep their careers uh, afloat here. And we got one more topic here before we end up, you know, this podcast. Really appreciate everyone that has tuned in and that will be tuning in uh, to this very show. Last but not least, we got to look at the winners and losers of this draft. And I know there's been a lot of people, a lot of people might have said the Eagles are losers or not very happy with their draft. Or a lot of people might say, look at the Cowboys. I mean, the Cowboys, they got CeeDee Lamb to that offensive, to that offensive wide receiver and core. Uh, they got a, a, a solid center and, and Tyler Badias there in the fifth. They got a corner in Trayvon Diggs. This is the year, man. The Cowboys are going to win the NFC East. They're going to, you know, Jerry Jones hit a home run out the park. With uh, with, with with his draft, and they're about to take off. And then there's other people that said, "Oh my God, the Packers did it again. They 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 once again neglected Aaron Rodgers and trying to get him some help. I I don't I, I don't understand it at all." <sighs> that being said, Nick, who are you, who would who are your winners and losers uh, from from this year's draft? A team that I think won the had a great draft and won was the Baltimore Ravens. I think they got a lot better. In this mm-hmm. draft, especially improving that linebacking core, you know they yeah. took LJ Fort last year, basically from the Eagles. The Eagles let him go. He goes and have a, has a pretty good year with the Ravens. But other than that, uh, the linebacking core was a little weak. Getting Patrick Queen in the first round, also I think getting Malik Harris in the third round is going to be a huge upgrade for them. And also they made some good value picks. Second round they get J.K. Dobbins, improving that already stellar running game. I mean this is a 14 win team that I think got better throughout the draft. So I, I really like what the Ravens did. Also got a good receiver from SMU in the latter rounds. Uh, James Prochet from SMU, I think he's going to be a really uh, key player to watch going into next year in camp. Um, and then one of the losers I have is the New England Patriots. Um, they, they Some of the picks they made just made me scratch my head. Um, they, I, I really, they didn't take any really receivers, any running backs. Uh, they did take a few guys on the offensive line. Um, they didn't take a quarterback, which I thought was shocking. Uh, you know, they're going in with Stittman. Okay, 
I don't know what you're going to get out of him this year. Um, so, and then you take a kicker in the fifth round, which is a uh, it's very interesting out of Marshall. Um, so I, I didn't think the Patriots really did anything special in this year's draft. No, they didn't. And like you said, and then they also doubled up at tight end, which was yes. interesting. And it wasn't the tight ends that everybody was talking about, uh, like an Adam Troutman who went to New Orleans, which was mm-hmm. just a geez Louise. I mean, giving that <laughs> offense just another weapon. I mean, yep. And that that's crazy. So like you said, they didn't have the they had a very puzzling, like you said, a puzzling draft. You know, you yeah. gotta like the defense. But like you said, there's quarterbacks there. James Morgan is there for you. Uh, you know, Jake Fromm is there for you. If you if, if you Jacob Easton is there. If you want to even yeah, get exactly. down with that, like the options are there. And Bill Belichick dropped the ball. So hey, unless they go for Cam Newton or Joe Flacco, it's going to be Jarrett Stidham time in Foxborough. And I don't know how that's going to. <laughs> don't know how that's going to go. Um, Harrison, what about you? Winners and losers. Yeah, I mean, I think that for my winner, it's kind of been. I don't want to say overlook them, but kind of just look past them because of how obvious the first pick is going to be this year with Joe Burrow. But I'm going to just bring up the Cincinnati Bengals. I thought they had a really good class overall. Um, Taking T. Higgins with the first pick of the second rounds was a really good pick. They already have an extremely strong receiving core. I think that A.J. Green is going to have a nice bounce back year this year. I think he's going to stay healthy. Um, And John Ross really took a lot of strides in his second year with Tyler Boyd there as well. You add in T. Higgins, and um, they have a pretty strong receiving core, a young core, um, outside of AJ Green, obviously, that uh, that could do some dangerous things, but I think that Joe Burrow is definitely one of the most pro-ready quarterbacks we've seen in, in the past few years. It feels like he's going to have a really good transition to the NFL. Obviously, they're not the most talented team still. They have some questions up front on the offensive line. Um, they did some good things to address the defense in the third round with the linebacker of Wyoming, but still some question marks there, but I think that Burrow overall is going to have a very strong NFL career. Um, mm-hmm. He's from Ohio. I, I love that dynamic. I think that it's going to be a good spot for him with Zach Taylor and the receiving core. Have a good running game still with Joe Mixon. So I, I think that the Bengals kind of have, I don't want to say overlooked, like I said, but it's just, you know, we've all been so focused on, you know, pick three, who the Lions were going to take, who's going to move up, where's two going to go, where's Herbert going to go. That Burrow has kind of gotten a little bit just over overlooked the past uh you know, a few weeks, few months. So I think that he's going to have a nice, maybe not rookie year. He could have some, you know, problems. There's going to be some growing pains. But I think he's going to have a very strong career. For my losers, I mean, it's hard to say with losers because sixth-round picks sometimes, you know, I mean, like you'll never have watched their film and it turns out that they're Tyreek Hill. So it it is kind of hard to say. But I'm going to go with Seattle. I, I feel like there's still some issues that they have to address that they didn't address. I, I think that the edge rush is going to be interesting. I, I have a feeling they're going to wind up signing Clowney back. I, I think he'll be back in Seattle, and that could be why. Maybe they didn't address it as much, but I feel like Seattle still has some question marks. Agreed, agreed. Matt, what do you think? Who are your winners and loser from the 2020 NFL draft? Well, my winner is definitely the Denver Broncos. After deciding that Drew Locke is their quarterback of the future, they got him a ton of help. Uh, both in receiving targets and on the offensive line. They drafted Jerry Judy, probably the best route runner in this draft in the wide receiver class. Mm-hmm. Then they doubled up on wide receivers going with K.J. Hamler. And then in the third round, they got Lloyd Cushenberry out of LSU off that championship yes. Tigers team. So that's offensive line help, receiving help. I mean, if you are a quarterback in your you know, true full year where you know you're the guy, you suddenly have – really good targets, and really good protection. You know, I think that, um, oh, and then they got a tight end, and I'm going to 
butcher this name horribly. Uh, Albert <laughs> Okaweg Bunham. I don't know. Yeah, the tight end from Missouri. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I. There's no way in hell I'm getting that name. Um, so you know, he's got tight ends, he's got wide receivers, he's got offensive line help, and I think if Drew Locke is going to succeed, he's going to succeed because of the weapons they've placed around him. Yep. Uh, the New England Patriots, as previously discussed, I think Belichick, um, you know, was a little high in his drafting abilities. I think that, um, you know, he made some picks that he has gotten away with scrutiny-wise because he's Bill Belichick and because he's a defensive mastermind. But, uh, you know, I, I don't know if going into the season with Jarrett Stidham, like you guys said, uh, is going to help. I also think they should have featured his Siberian Husky more because that dog was adorable. Uh, my final loser of draft weekend is the ESPN graphics guy who found yes. uh, time to remind us after every pick that this player had a family member who died in a horrific oh. Final Destination oh, scenario. Yeah. It was bad. <laughs> like, the one guy where it's like, oh, his father slipped on loose pavement, fell in the street, and was hit by a pickup truck. It's like, did I need to know that? It was bad, yeah. It, it's like There's... it's their best day of their their, their career and their life, and you got to bring that up again. Like... you got to find a healthy medium, you know? There's there's yeah. always a good backstory, but it, it was really intense this year. Like, every pick, like... Cousins, grandma's cousins, uncle passed. Like, all right, it's a, you know what I mean? Let's talk about football. Yeah, it's like cancer, <laughs> drug addiction, prison. It was rough. death. Some dude drowned. Some dude got hit by lightning. It was like, you know, at some point, I love a good overcoming adversity story as much as the next guy, but let these players be the one to tell it. Don't, right. you know, yeah. throw that information out alongside a graphic of them, like putting on their team's draft cap. That's wild. Oh, and then under I, that is like like spaghetti, like yeah, <laughs> yeah. And another thing too, the winner of this year's NFL draft, the big winner, Roger Goodell, who got to sit down, slump in his chair, and have a drink or five in <laughs> it between. It was a good picks. year for the commission. <laughs> uh, yeah, Roger was looking mighty comfortable. It's like by the time we got to the third round, my man yeah. had his feet up, and it was like, <laughs> "All right, kids, I'm about to tell you a nice little story. Gather around, children." <laughs> it was Let's like talk NFL draft. Day two, it started. He was standing up. Then he slowly moved to the chair, and then he just laid back. Yeah, <laughs> he was done. It went from one to the next. He's like, I can't do this no more. Next year, hopefully, we can like get back outside, and I can only do the first round, and that's good. <laughs> so you know, that's great. Uh, my winners from this draft class, I would say, I like everybody's selections so far, though. Amazing, like the Ravens. I love that pick. Love that pick. Broncos love that pick. Um, you know, I loved everybody's pick so far. My winners, I would have to say the Carolina Panthers. This was a team that Matt Rule was taking over that had the pieces on offense. You know, they had DJ Moore, um, they had run CMC. Um, they got offense, they got they got some offensive lines still can you know pick up some more there, but they're pretty solid there. And they came, they got free agency, picked up Robbie Anderson on a two-year deal, signed Teddy to a three-year deal, and they look like they're ready to roll there. And then they come back in defense, and this is what I thought that the Panthers had to do to be successful. They had to load up on defense and had to load up at certain spots that they needed to, and I thought they did a great job. First round, Derrick Brown upgrading that middle of the line to go with K'Wan Short and Dontari Poe. Didn't really work out there. Now K'Wan Short's there. next to uh, uh, Now Brown's going to play next to K'Wan. That should be great. Then in the second round, they get the Penn State defensive end, Yator Gross Matos, a guy who was projected to go in that late first round range, but got knocked back to the second round. He'll play on that edge uh, with Brian Burns on the other end, who was drafted last year. 
I want them to say in the first round. Then they come back in the second round, get Jeremy Chen out of Southern Illinois. Great selection right there. Again, a, a versatile DB who can play safety, and a lot of people think he might be able to play cornerback. Great pick there. They get Troy Pride Jr. out of Notre Dame, another corner in the fourth round. And then they get the XFL favorite, Kenny Robinson, in the fifth round, a guy who I thought the Eagles shot probably should have had interest in, but they got Kayvon Wallace in the fourth round, so I'm all good with that. But, yeah, Kenny Robinson there um, in the fifth round, perfect. Uh, not, I would say a, a perfect pick for uh, a value there for Matt Rule. And I just think overall a great draft for Matt Rule and company. Um, loading up on defense, young playmakers. They got the players on offense. I know the division's a little bit tougher now uh, with, you know, with, with Breeze back in company. He's got Emmanuel Sanders, you know, with him. And, you know, Brady's there. But, hey, the Panthers could make some noise. And not might not be this year, but next year and the, the years down the line, if these young playmakers that they got pan out to be something, then they could be very scary to watch out for. And then losers, the Packers. Uh, we we talked about it in this podcast already. The Packers did not do a good job of providing um of providing Aaron Rodgers um with you know with with playmakers at wide receiver. Instead, they. Got Jordan Love, A.J. Dillon, and Josiah DeGuerre. And, you know, no disrespect to none of those guys. You know, Jordan Love, if you want to think about the future, then, hey, go do it. You know, what, go if that's what you want to do, then, hey, I'm all for it. Um, A.J. Dillon, a guy who I didn't think I, – I didn't have a second-round grade on him. If anything, he was a day-three guy to me, fourth-round type of guy in the range where we're talking about LaMichael P. Ryan, Zach Moss, um, in my in my opinion – so they get a they get another running back and then they go Josiah De, Degura, you know, and who's going to become a fullback. And they did not, he did not get a they did not get a Aaron some help, and that's you know just not a good look. And another winner that I had to throw in there for the draft is the just I just the way they pulled it off. I thought they did a great job of just you know putting on the draft, you know, in the, in the tough circumstances that we had, and something that I thought that was so intriguing was that the family aspect that we got across in the draft, you know, just the player, just the coaches and the executives, along with the families, you know, everybody, you know, being everybody sitting down with their family, you know, uh, you know, during the draft and you see them interacting. And it was, it was so cool to see. And I think, like I said, back in this, in this, uh, back in this newsletter, I was looking at uh, uh, Kendall Baker pointed that out as well, saying, you know, um, it said, it's like, what are they saying? In addition to revealing how much can be accomplished from the comfort of one home, the virtual draft and limited offseason has also inspired coaches and GMs to think about permanent improvements to their work balance, to their work life balance, and working smarter than long rather than longer. Um, Ian Rappaport uh, tweeted saying it was unanimous. So many coaches wondered, do we really need to work the share hours when we do when, when their work was really done? Literally, every person mentioned the extra time with his family, lit a legit eye open experience. Uh, Brian's head, uh, Dolphins head coach Brian Flores said it's been a lot of fun actually. I haven't spent this much time with my family, uh, my kids, my wife in a long time. And then Lions GM Bob Quinn said if we can find a better work life work life balance in the months of February, March, and April, I'm all for it. So hey, it looks like the NFL might have found uh, might have found something there, and we'll see. You know, the, the draft is supposed to be proje- is supposed to be scheduled to be in Cleveland next season. So, hey, we'll see what happens. We'll see if they'll try to keep this at-home aspect. If not for 
the coaches or maybe, you know, maybe for the prospects, you know, having the cameras there, you know, for guys, even in the third and fourth rounds, fifth rounds, you know, it's just so cool to see that emotion of, hey, like, this is Doug Peterson. This is Bill Belichick. This is John Harbaugh calling you say, we want you part of your team. Like, that moment right there is just, you know, super, super special. But I think that's it. For this episode of Total Sports Live Podcast, really appreciate everybody uh, tuning in and checking us, um, checking this uh, podcast out. Like I said, if you missed this podcast or any of our other ones, you can check it out on Anchor, on Anchor at Anchor.fm, or you can check it out on Spotify. You know, just search Total Sports Live TSL Podcast. Really appreciate anyone that tunes in there. Apple, it's on a whole bunch of other. uh, streaming platforms, so many that I don't even know the list off the top of my head. I had to log into the dashboard uh, to see. Uh, make sure you check out totalsportslive.com uh, as well and Road to Sunday. We'll start, you know, as we get through, you know, the, through the football months, you know, we start to gear towards maybe training camp and stuff. We'll start throwing some more stuff up there. And, then, you know, sports eventually does make its way back in the right time. You'll see some more stuff on there as well fellas any last words before we wrap everybody stay safe yes for sure wash your hands uh, for definitely uh just stay in uh just power through this whole thing for sure yeah please observe the stay at home mandates i'm trying to have something resembling a summer this year <laughs> for real <laughs> yeah uh, I think we all, I think we all are. I think we definitely are. And I think that's a great way to end off. So for me, Matt, Nick, Harrison, everyone have a good one. And we will talk to you guys very soon in the near future. Talking about, I don't know, we'll, f- we'll figure out something to talk about. Something. Maybe totally maybe it'll something. be, maybe it'll be MLB to show, you know, E-League playoffs. I don't know. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> we'll figure it out. But hey, everybody, thanks for tuning in and we'll talk to you guys very soon.